0: And now, here's your host, Sean Rost.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Or whatever hour you're tuning in to listen to the Our Missouri podcast. My name is Sean Rost, and I'll be your guide to explore the memories, moments, and misfortunes from Our Missouri. This year's Missouri Constant History may be over with, but we still invite listeners to meet us in St. Louis for a multi-part series focusing on several projects and institutions that document the city's history and cultural identity. Our guest today is Caitlin Yeager. Presently, she serves as the Director of Heritage Programs for the Missouri Humanities Council. Welcome to the Our Missouri podcast, Caitlin. Thank you very much. Now, that title, Director of Heritage Programs, um, is uh, kind of concise, but there's a lot of things that you're doing in in your work on a regular basis. Could you tell us about that?
2: Sure. So, um, I am one of the uh, handful of program directors that Missouri Humanities has, and uh, um, I basically directly oversee all of our uh, programs related to Missouri's uh, heritage. So um, that kind of runs the gamut right now. It's one of our biggest programs that we uh, have. We do programs related to Native American heritage. Uh, We try and focus a lot of our programming on Missouri's rural communities and how the heritage of the rural communities can help um, improve community involvement and economic development. Um, We do programs on African American heritage um, Civil War Heritage, and uh, and finally, uh, German Heritage, which is uh, one of the first heritage initiatives that we started uh, several years ago um, and has since kind of grown very rapidly. So, uh, and we, we do special initiatives too. Um, so, it, you know, if there's a certain year where there's an anniversary coming up or a big uh, historical event that we want to commemorate, um, we'll do regular commemorative programs. So, And how that kind of compares to something like the German heritage or the Native American heritage programs is uh, we host programs related to those yearly, whereas a commemorative program might be something that's a one-off program. So, for example, um, we're currently in the middle of the centennial of women's suffrage. So, for the last uh, six months or so and into this year, um, we've been doing commemorative programs around topics related to that. But that is something that will end this year, and then we'll move on to other commemorative programs in the coming years. So... Um, I have a couple of coordinators that help me uh, run these programs, but uh, the majority of my my job title means that I'm coordinating with community stakeholders and partners, um, planning program content, um, topics and speakers, um, and we're all over the state, so I, I'm kind of at any given place in Missouri at any given time. Uh, at least uh, I was, and now obviously we're a little bit more homebound, but uh, but yeah, so we're um, we try and keep it. Uh, kind of throughout the state, making sure we're reaching all four corners and everything in between.
1: Excellent. Now, one thing you mentioned there is this kind of uh, Missouri's German heritage, and certainly people who study Mm -hmm. the state know uh, a little bit about maybe that German heritage, but tell us about Mm -hmm. what the German heritage corridor in Missouri is and what all it encompasses.
2: Sure. So um, I I was like a lot of people in that uh, when I actually came onto this job, I had no idea the extent of um, the impact that Germans had on the growth and development of our state. And kind of, as I um, developed into this position of director of heritage programs, I learned more and more. And it's really quite astounding that, uh, you know, such an impact is something that's not really well known. And, uh, and, but then once you, once you realize that it, it's, it's, it's everywhere, it's in our architecture, it's in our industry, our businesses, our agriculture, um, you know, our street names even. So it's, it's, uh, really cool to be able to explore that. And one way that Missouri Humanities really wanted to delve into this topic was um, to draw attention to some of the more concentrated areas of German cultural heritage and German settlements in Missouri. And what we realized as we were looking at the state and trying to figure out, um, you know, more about the state's Germanness is that this area along the Missouri River uh, is, is highly concentrated with uh, German-founded towns and communities. And so we, we took that a step further and we were wondering why that is. Why is it that even though, yes, there are, there are many examples of these kind of clusters of Germanness throughout Missouri, that this seemed to be a very um, kind of huge area. So it wasn't just a county. It, it's multiple counties and it's not just a couple towns in that county. It's most of the towns in that county that have that German cultural heritage or were founded by German immigrants. Um, and so we decided to to mark that, I guess you could say, by creating a corridor, and we named it Missouri's German Heritage Corridor, and it's along the Missouri River. Um, Basically, if you were to look at a map and start the Missouri River where it is in St. Louis City and follow it basically almost to Kansas City, it's not quite to Kansas City, but it's almost to Kansas City. If you were to go a county north and south of the river, all the way to Lafayette County, I think is the farthest west, um, those counties are what comprise the corridor. I think it ends up being 16 counties plus St. Louis City. Um, and, and basically, this is what we're trying to use to draw attention to Missouri's Germanness. ness um, We do often get a lot of comments about areas outside of this corridor that say, hey, I'm just as German as, you know, as, as Gasconade County or Osage County, but I'm not in that corridor. Why am I not in the corridor? Um, and, and the answer to that is we're not denying that any other county is not as German. We are just trying to use this as almost a guinea pig of areas to have programming because it already is so concentrated. Um, there's already so many initiatives going on in this area to bring to light Missouri's German cultural heritage that we wanted to use that as a way to bring attention. So we use this segment of the state as a way to draw more attention to the state overall. Um, and and we've started some pilot programming. Um, we done a little bit of branding. there's a there's a logo that came with the naming of the German Heritage Corridor. Um, it's been actually written into law. Uh, the uh, there was a Senate and House bill that was passed into law that officially designates this as Missouri's German Heritage Corridor. So legally, it exists. And uh, so that was a really big step for us um, in helping to get us some funding to produce programs, um to do marketing initiatives, and try and kind of build this cohesive, area where um, not only do you have individual towns or individual counties capitalizing on their German heritage, but they're working together now as the German Heritage Corridor. And it's, you know, one of the greatest accomplishments as far as, you know, I'm concerned with, with this corridor is hearing somebody as I'm sitting in a meeting or doing a program actually refer to it as the corridor. So, you know, someone's saying, well, I was in the German Heritage Corridor, I was driving through the corridor and and it's that perfect amount of branding that's it's in people's heads. People are understanding now that this is a, a huge area that's important to our state. And it's, you know, people are starting to refer to it as the corridor, which to me is, is just really great for bringing awareness to the state.
1: Before we return to our conversation, here's Danielle Griego with some information about upcoming events.
2: National History Day in Missouri is looking for educators, historians, writers, filmmakers, museum staff and community members to judge student projects. The state contest will be held on April 25, 2020. National History Day in Missouri is a unique opportunity for middle and high school age students to explore the past in a creative, hands-on way by producing a documentary, exhibit, paper, performance, or website on a topic of their choosing. To learn more about National History Day in Missouri, including judge orientation and how to start a program at your own school, please visit shsmo.org slash nhdmo.
1: Now, I grew up in Cole County, which is part of the corridor, and uh, I have family mm-hmm. from Losage and Gasconade, so certainly this is a, a part of the state that I'm pretty familiar with, but sure. um, as I was, you know, crisscrossing the state for, for some of my responsibilities and work, um, over time I heard more and more about this part of the St. on the outskirts of the St. Louis suburbs, these kind of mm-hmm. German communities that existed in and around Weldon Spring, and, and as I've talked mm-hmm. to you in other circumstances, certainly, and work with you, uh, you're doing a lot to bring awareness to these uh, German communities in and around Weldon Springs. So tell us about how the idea came to pass and really uh, kind of grew uh, to develop a documentary to celebrate and remember uh, a town like Hamburg, Missouri.
2: Hamburg is a town that I would be surprised if any of your listeners uh, knew what it was, because it doesn't exist anymore. uh, So you can't blame people for that. But it is also a town that um, was a very German town and founded by German immigrants. And unlike a lot of towns in the Weldon Spring area, there was a couple other towns that were there um, that had multi-generational, multi-ethnic families. Whereas Hamburg was one that maintained a German lineage. They had, it was a very small town, just a few hundred people, but for the time, you know, for, you know, founded in the 1850s and, and, you know, grew into a town of about 300, I think. Um, so not a, not a big town by any means, but for the time, it was considered a bustling, successful, active community. Um, and as we were creating the interpretive plan for the German Heritage Corridor um, a couple of years ago, some of the stakeholders and the scholars that were in on those interpretive planning meetings um, were bringing up the story of Hamburg. And, I was a little bit shocked because, you know, I'm a lifelong Missourian and i had never heard of it. And there were scholars in the room that had never heard of it. People who are are experts in German cultural heritage or um, or from these towns that, you know, bordered or were very close to Hamburg and had never heard of this story. They kind of knew that there was a town there at one point and that it's not there anymore, but they didn't really know why. Um, So what we learned was that Hamburg and then two other towns, actually, Howell and Tunerville. Um, we tend to focus on Hamburg because of the German element. And like I said, it, it maintained a little bit more of that German heritage through the generations. Um, so we tend to focus a little bit more on Hamburg. But Hamburg and Howell and Tunerville were three towns that were evacuated um, at kind of the onset of World War II in order to build a munitions and ordnance plant in the Walden Spring area. So that when you so when I say ordnance plant or Weldon Spring site, that's what tends to trigger trigger people's memory. They know driving down ninety four through Weldon Spring, they recognize, oh yeah, the big containment cell, the big interpretive center. So that's kind of what triggers people's memory. But what they tend to not know is that that plant took three towns that were that were bustling, that were successful, that had families and, and community life and, and and heritage and culture. Um, to, to build a munitions plant for the war effort. Um, and, and the reason behind putting it there, we tend to hear that uh, it was uniquely situated um, right on Highway 94, which then had access to um, a larger highway being Highway 40. Uh, but then there was also access to the Katy Railroad, which was then right next to the river. So you kind of had all different forms of transportation available. You had uh, resources there, And ultimately, um, that became the reason for evacuating these three towns and building that munition plant. Uh, We tend to hear a lot of stories that uh, the community members and the people that lived in Hamburg and the surrounding areas often did it willingly. Um, This was a patriotic time uh, during World War II, and people were happy to do this for the war effort. Um, but then you, you hear some stories that are not so patriotic and not so heartwarming, which are, you know, stories of people refusing to leave, not having any place to go. You know, some people were lucky in that they had families in Weldon Spring area, in Wentzville, in St. Louis, and they could go and stay with family. But for other people, they had farms there. Their livelihoods were there. Their whole family was there. Um, so giving up a farm and getting a smaller parcel of land somewhere else was not going to equate the lifestyle that they once knew. So we have, you know, one story that, that tends to stick in my brain is uh, the story of a, a family who, who refused to leave. And uh, the I think he's considered the grandfather in in the current generation, but the owner of the house, he refused to leave, sat in his rocking chair on the porch and stayed there. And they literally picked him up by the rocking chair, put him in the back of the truck and burned his house behind him. So while, you know, sometimes this was, you know, calm and collected and you know you had a certain amount of time to get out and some people did there were people who refused to leave and and the only way they could get them out was to forcibly remove them and to keep them from coming back they bulldozed and burned their homes behind them so they you know they packed up what they could and went off somewhere else um so we're trying to to bring to light the story of these towns and uh, especially hamburg Um, It has a cemetery that's still active. Uh, You can go visit it. We have, there's, you know, there's been recently with probably within the last 10 years or so, there are still families that have connections to Hamburg that want to come back and be buried in the town cemetery. Um, I find that really beautiful that, you know, even though, you know, this was, you know, 70, 80 years ago, people were still wanting to come back and be buried where they came from. Um, So, the nice thing is that every year they've been holding a reunion. They call it the TNT reunion and they gather any family members or friends that have a connection to this place and have a, a potluck dinner um, at the Weldon Spring site, which I find fascinating that they actually hold it at the place that took their home. Um, and, you know, we're lucky in that there are still um, a handful of people that come to these, uh, these reunions that were there when they were evacuated they were often very young um if you think about how long ago that was but they're still there and it's enough for us to um bring in a film crew and bring in you sean as you know to uh, document their oral histories and try and get as much of those memories recorded and saved so that their stories can live on and those memories of this town that is gone you know can live on and Um, And I mean, when I say gone, I mean, you drive down Highway 94 and you would never know that there was a town there. There are small elements that to a trained eye would maybe say that there was something there before. Um, But I know people like myself who have driven down 94 a dozen times and would never have thought twice about what used to be there. And now that I know, I can't drive through that area, which I do quite frequently uh, without that kind of sombering, you know, what, what used to be and what could have been if those towns had, made, had remained. Um, so luckily, Weldon Spring Site, which is what was the ordnance plant and uh, created TNT and then later, later processed uh, uranium ore, um, dedicated part of an interpretive center to telling the story of these towns. Um, so people are able to go to this interpretive center and see the history of the ordnance plant and the eventual cleanup uh, but they can also, they also strive to tell the story of what it took to build that plant. Um, so people can go and visit and learn quite a bit about that area. So we're just trying to take it to another level and really dig in and and, and tell the stories of these towns and the broader context of the German Heritage Corridor.
1: Yes, the the conversations with re- former residents of Hamburg are quite powerful in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that, that we've had with them as they, as they tell the story of loss and In some cases, you know, removal, um, relocation, and ultimately, kind of resiliency to kind of move on, pick up the pieces, um, and find Mm -hmm. new homes. And certainly, uh, if we look at the landscape of St. Louis, you know, there are names associated with not only families but also businesses of people who, you know, they might have a business located in these suburban towns in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. but the name originates in Hamburg. And I think that's something that's kind of interesting uh, as well. In a lot exactly. of exactly mm-hmm. and, and looking at the in the documentary itself and this, the conversations are certainly a part of that uh in some of the first kind of first hand accounts, what's the uh kind of uh end goal? When do you would like to have this uh, documentary completed and viewable by the public?
2: I believe the current timeline, and I could be wrong, and so if my boss is on the phone, I'm sorry, but um, if if all goes according to the plan, we hope to have it finished. Um, in about a year, so kind of mid-2021. Mid um, we kind of shifted a little bit, so we're still telling the story of Hamburg, but we also realized that by telling the story of Hamburg, we're going to get people that are going to wonder about, well, they keep saying German Heritage Court, or they keep talking about German heritage of Missouri, you know, and we want people to know Hamburg within that broader context, so we're going to be doing kind of two smaller documentaries. I think they're both gonna be 30 minute documentaries about the German Heritage Corridor and then Hamburg and the story of the removal um, so that again, people can learn about the German Heritage Corridor and then once they learn about Hamburg, they could put it in the context of the German Heritage Corridor. Um, so that means that's requiring a little bit more work and um, we've had uh, two years so far, I believe of going to the TNT reunion. Um, and getting footage from those. Um, My number one priority is to get the testimony and the experiences of friends, family, and people who were there. Um, But then we also want to make sure that we're getting interviews and information from local historians, um, getting footage of the cemetery of where the town used to be. What's utterly fascinating is that there are things, like I said, that a trained eye can kind of pick out um, in the landscape that will show where the town used to be and where certain buildings were, which I find really, really cool when I'm over in that area. Um, Things like daffodils growing randomly in the woods or, um, you know, a, a really big tree, like a yard tree that you might find in suburbia. Um, in the middle of the woods, which if, if you know how trees grow, um, trees in the woods don't grow big and fat like they do in suburbia. They, they grow tall and skinny to get to the sun. And yeah. uh, so a, a tree or daffodils kind of like that will, would typically mark for us where a house or a yard might have been because these are things that are intentional. Um, so it's interesting to look for those things and getting those explanations and getting that footage on camera is important to us. We're also hoping to do some archaeological projects over there Um, while most of the buildings in the towns were bulldozed, which um, bulldozing is kind of a death sentence to any sort of excavation because it it removes any sort of integrity to tell us um, how a building or a a town might have been because it's, it's ruining where it was. Um, But there are a couple foundations that were left, um, basically buildings that were left to crumble and on them unresolved and so we do have a couple instances where those could be explored um you know the area around the cemetery could be explored uh so we're we're hoping to include some of that in the documentary as well so there are some big things that were that take a little bit more planning that have pushed back our release date but um but as of right now we're we're getting we're continuing to collect footage and and do interviews and we hope to have some sort of finished product and hopefully a big public showing um, sometime maybe next summer
1: we've certainly you know talked to some people in the past about their experiences but obviously there are people who might not have been able to tell their story quite yet how can people reach out to you to provide information on these towns like hamburg howell tunerville and the weldon Springs site who want to kind of get this information into the documentary potentially
2: Sure. Um, anybody who wants to contribute or has questions um, can contact me via email. Um, that's probably the best way right now. Um, and that email address is my first name, Caitlin, which is spelled C-A-I-T-L-I-N at mohumanities, mo um, You can try my office number. I'm not sure when I'll be back there, but it'll be 314-781-9660. Um, and information is also available on our website, um, staff contact information, a little bit of information about our programs. And that website is um, mohumanities.org.
1: All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to the R Missouri podcast. If you would like to learn more about the podcast, including past and future episodes, information about guests and upcoming events, please visit our website at shsmo dot org forward slash our dash Missouri